Before proceeding to the interview, I implore you to listen to this introduction very carefully. Larry is filled with passion. He is confident in his ideas, but most importantly, he cares for the masses he preaches to more than those who oppose him ever could. You may not agree with all his methods, as I do not, but you cannot deny where his philosophy is rooted. Love. Love for his family, community, and country is unmatched. When Larry is interviewing what he sees to be a lost soul, do your best to understand what he's really doing. Larry is saving the world the only way he knows how. Multiple people have asked me if I'm scared to be associated with Larry. And to that, I just want to say, if you believe in silencing ideas that scare you rather than discussing, understanding, and fixing them, then this is not the podcast, nor am I the creator for you. That being said, this will be totally impartial, and I won't hold back in my line of questions. The purpose of this interview is to peel back the Larry onion, and to show the world his true intentions, in a time where people are often watered down to caricatures of their complex personalities. No matter where you are, or what you're going through, you're in the library now, and I'm so glad you're listening. I hope you enjoy the interview. Tell me about your philosophy when it comes to violence and the role it plays in our world today. Well, violence has always played a role in our world throughout the history of mankind. There's always been violence. There will always be violence. Mm-hmm. You can never get rid of the violence. Never. Now, when you find somebody who commits uh, atrocities, you know, when you find somebody who uh, who commits violence on on others, <clears throat> then you can you can get rid of them. You can get rid of them. You can put them in prison. You can, uh, you know, you can kill them. But as far as stopping it, it's an illusion. It's an illusion to think that you can stop violence. No matter no matter how much liberty you give up, you cannot stop it. Just like anything else. See this right here. When should liberty? When should liberty yield to public good? Mm-hmm. Never. Never. That's a USA Today paper. It should never yield uh, because violence is going to happen regardless. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so my, how, how was the question again? What is the role that violence plays in the world? Yeah. It, 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 human beings are, are violent. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to play a role. Mm-hmm. We should never give up our liberty because of it. <clears throat> you know, a few bad apples. Mm-hmm. Well, there's just because of a few bad apples. There's just a few people who don't know how to, you know, to respect others' mm-hmm. rights. So we must give up some of our rights. So you think you would say freedom and liberty are put at stake when we try to eradicate violence because it's something that can't be gotten that's, rid of? That's exactly right. You cannot stop violence. By taking free men and women's mm-hmm. liberty. It, it, it reaches a point of diminishing returns to try to safeguard everyone. Holy shit, that was well put for a 19-year-old. Oh, okay, well that's good. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you felt your freedom being threatened, and what emotions came with that? Yeah, yeah, I can remember the very first time. It was about 1974. 
I was five years old. Wow. And my mother, she came at me with, uh, uh, you know, with, with threats of taking my liberty because I'd, because I'd done something, you know, to one of my brothers. Mm-hmm. Actually, I only had one brother at the time, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'd done something, whatever it was, you know, maybe I, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, she, she took a little bit of my, uh, my liberty and put me in time out. And now so, you're, you, you're kind is of... Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, seriously, seriously. <laughs> yeah. that, the very first time that you felt liberty being taken away from you. I mean, is that... That was the very first time that I can remember mm-hmm. is whenever I'd done mm-hmm. something wrong. Hold on. So, uh, yeah, that was the first time that I'd been uh, introduced to it. I was probably five years old, right around that time. Maybe it, maybe it happened before that, mm-hmm. but that's the first time that I could really remember it. Mm-hmm. And it was... You know, not only was a little bit of my liberty taken because I had to go sit down, uh, I also had a little bit of pain uh, given to me at the same time with a good smack. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was kind of a, uh, it was a, a pain and then liberty all at the same time. So pain given, received, liberty taken. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. <laughs> Do you think that do you think that those are are those emotion like the feeling of getting your liberty taken away as a five year old by your mother? Do you think those are universal feelings when it comes to a tyrannical government or work politics or just things like that? Do you think liberty, in a sense, is the same in every facet, or do you think there is well, there's some a difference. There is a difference. Because you're talking about a family society, mm-hmm. you're talking about a uh, if you're talking about a family society, you know that they they can discipline or should be disciplining their children. You know there should be consequences in that family, mm-hmm. and uh, and when the government gets involved with those consequences, mm-hmm. you know that are set up by that family, mm-hmm. the uh, you know what is it the patriarchic. Uh, what do you call that? Patriarchy? Uh, or patriarchal sure. society? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a higher up in, mm-hmm. in, in a family. Mm-hmm. Whether whether men and women want to admit it, there is. You know, although it may be changing right now, mm-hmm. you know, it's changing to maybe more powers being being uh, uh, trans transferred over to the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. I see... I see Grown men asking their wives. Well, know, there, there's definitely a, a shift in that in, in that kind in, in, of culture in that way. To, yeah, yeah, hundred without it without a doubt. But it's the same way with government, government and 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 government force and taking of one's liberty under the guise of the communal good. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, right here, what does that say for the public? When good? should liberty yield to public good? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, when do you think liberty should yield to public good? Never. Never. So are you an anarchist? Nope. So uh, where's the line I, for you? Well, I'm I'm libertarian, so pretty much if you don't have to steal from me mm-hmm. or hurt me, mm-hmm. or I don't have to steal from you or hurt you, and we voluntarily agree to do things, mm-hmm. then I'm good with it. What role does the government play in mediating that? Well, if government uses force and coercion on its people in order to obtain a goal... That is for the communal good. Mm-hmm. It's still force and coercion, which is evil. Mm-hmm. So you can't have 
there's no way to come up with an outcome that is righteous or moral if the means took force and coercion. Mm-hmm. So, so right now, just say, say for right now, and a lot of people argue, well, nobody's going to contribute voluntarily, Larry, right? That's mm-hmm. probably what John would say right now. That would, if, we were, if we were having this discussion, John Waldrop, he'd say, nobody's going to voluntarily do this, Larry. We have to make them. We have to come over and put a gun to their head or give us your stuff. So I don't believe that's correct because, as it is now, we have over 50%. I mean, y'all look it up. Tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I believe I'm I'm at least in the ballpark. We have over 50% of our citizens that contribute $0 to the federal government. Really? $0. And who knows how many of that percentage, not only do they not contribute, so you don't mean, meaning they pay no federal taxes, they also get what get get a reallocation of someone else's, you know, money that they contributed, mm-hmm. uh, and they call it a tax return or some type of yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. it's but it's really not a tax return because you uh, a certain percentage, a large percentage of these people, these people meaning us, did not pay in. Mm-hmm. So how can you get a five or ten thousand dollar? Check from the IRS if you didn't pay any in. You know, if you didn't pay any in. So, so therefore, if we have over 50%, or just say 50%, that are not contributing at all, we, one, you have to figure out why is that. Why, so, why would we set up a system to where the bottom 50% pay nothing mm-hmm. in federal taxes mm-hmm. when they benefit from... Medi- Medicare or Medicaid, whichever one it is for that. Not the old people one, but the young people or under uh, seniors. Uh, they benefit from that. They benefit from from the electronic, electronic benefits transfer, which is the old food stamps, now new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the EBT card. So they benefit from getting getting those, that money on that card. Or the welfare, uh, the welfare cards. Which, you know, there's no more welfare checks. It's a card. Mm-hmm. It's like magic credit cards. So you have to ask yourself, how did that system become so massive? Mm-hmm. And I say it's because of government force and coercion in the first place. I don't see how, unless the government... See, if our government, meaning local, state, or federal, uh, devises a, a policy or program that incentivizes that program to grow. Well, here's my question. What does the government have to gain from feeding more people with their what what does the government have to gain from dishing out money like like you you kind of make it seem like it's from a malicious angle whereas does it maybe it's just incompetency people people trying to help people incompetently. Well, there's about three different answers to that. One is, I'm not saying that it's all evil. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, is there's unintended consequences. Unintended. So, okay, okay. Now you also have incompetency. Mm-hmm. Human beings are incompetent. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you're not successful, when you're, when you're 
or you want to pick the road that's uh you want to pick the path that's easiest uh sometimes the more the people who are not as motivated would pick an easier path meaning uh how often do you see people talk about or hear people talk about uh you know i'm going to get a job with the government and get you know the benefits and mm-hmm. it's you know it's security uh meaning in reality, I mean, maybe, and I'm going to have some government bureaucrats watching this, you know, some county workers, etc. I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm not saying that, that I'm great or that he's great or anybody else. All I'm saying is the reality of it is, man, it's, it's, you can't, you can't deny the incentive to not have to stress mm-hmm. about producing, producing. I mean, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have the stress of uh, making sure that uh, the fields get harvested, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm with the government. I'm. I'm. We're. We're just looking after the fields, making sure, you know, that uh, that everybody does it right. Mm-hmm. But the guys, you know, the men and women who are actually uh, plowing, planting, and harvesting the field. I'm just using that as a mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be manufacturing, whatever. But the men and women who are actually doing it. If they don't, if they're not successful, if they don't have a bumper crop, mm-hmm. guess what? The government doesn't come, you know, doesn't come bell, yeah, bell yeah. everybody out. Although there is a lot of subsidies in farms now, so you can't hardly even use that. You can't. I mean, it, it, everybody's bought off now with explain, some sort of subsidy. Explain. Explain your analogy in another way. I don't know if I'm following. Yeah. All the like a hundred percent. I'm okay. just trying to grasp. Yeah, yeah. What you're trying to say. Well, what I'm trying to say is is that it, when you have when you have fifty percent or over not contributing to the federal government, mm-hmm. and then you have. Uh, the top 50 or 40 or 30 or 20 mm-hmm. or even 10 mm-hmm. carrying the weight for that load. Then it destroys, it, it, it helps to destroy, hold on, it helps to destroy incentive mm-hmm. for the top 10, I 20, yes. 30, okay. or 40 okay. to that's, continue. That's what, I see what you're saying. I was just making sure that's that's where we were getting. So so your question was, if I rem- if I remember it right, was uh how would you do it without force? Was that it? Or no, I don't no, it? that wasn't a written down question. That was something I was reacting okay. to what you said. Okay. So it, I done forgot. But if everybody paid mm-hmm. but if everybody paid just say a ten percent. My qu- my question If you make ten dollars, mm-hmm. you pay one dollar mm-hmm. to the federal government, which it's supposed to be limited and is going to be uh, uh basic defense infrastructure you know, uh, connecting uh, highways that go between states, interstate highway mm-hmm. system, and the basic functions of government. 10% would more mm-hmm. than do it. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going to give billions away to Africa, Ukraine, South South America, and everybody else, then it's not, yeah, that's not yeah, enough. It's, it's different. Okay. But if everybody paid 10%, then you wouldn't destroy incentive at mm-hmm. the top or mm-hmm. somewhere middle of the road, middle way. Do you think that's what's? Do you think so? You think people in don't have an incentive to 
to work in the middle class or well no i'm not saying that they don't have an incentive to work what i'm saying is is you take away the incentive whenever the middle class and the higher ups mm-hmm. have to work harder to cover the bottom 50 percent so so in I other words in other words if i got to work more and more why if you got to work more. Why would more. I not just choose to be in the bottom fifty percent? Yeah, if you yes, if you okay. having yeah, to yeah, if yeah. you having to carry the load for them too, mm-hmm. why don't you just well, shit? Let's me and you go get in a wagon too. So eventually everyone will jump ship until everyone's on the ship that's just that's sinking. I see. Okay, there we go. All right, but but if you if you have more freedom, I'm tracking now. If you have more freedom, and you have a smaller government. Mm-hmm. The, the incentive to, to be responsible for yourself is there because, you know what, I want I want a bed to sleep in. Yes, yes. I want to be able to eat. Mm-hmm. And if I know that I can't depend upon uh, some government bureaucrat handing me a card that I can magically, magically swipe, mm-hmm. I'm more apt to get up a little yep. bit earlier, do a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. All right? No, definitely. I, I agree with what, where you're coming from in there. I was just making sure I was... I don't want to leave this interview wondering. Yeah. Any, like, I want to grasp on to everything. And listen, you have to stay on top of me because I get people tell me all the time, they're like, stay on topic. I'm a, I'm over here like, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm, hey, I got a haircut the other day, and the barber told me, and we were talking about... It's like it's like one of those uh, extendable leashes <laughs> yeah. for a dog. I'll let you go sniff around, but yep, we'll, stay, yep. we'll stay on the path. Okay, so uh, what is your ultimate goal during your philanthropic ventures? Oh, philanthropic. Philanthropic. Uh, I would say my ultimate goal is to inspire people to critically think. If that is what that, what does that word mean? Philanthropic ventures. Yeah. When why? What is your goal with when you do things like Mission Obvious or your street interviews or anytime you that are? Sort of what What is your? Why are you out there? Why do you jump out of your truck and interview people on the street every See, day? See, I was correct. I'm trying to inspire people to think, to think outside the box, to to think, to basically critically think about what is being fed to them also, mm-hmm. because there's always an agenda. And people people tell me I have an agenda. I have lots of people. You have an agenda, Larry. I do have an agenda. That's correct. Everybody does. You can't deny that. Yes. Yeah. My agenda is you can't. It is basically, uh, you know, individual liberty, and uh, you know, not only individual liberty but life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, the Bill of Rights. We got a second, and uh, so it's not a perfect document. Mm-hmm. You know, our amendments are not perfect amendments by no means. But, but that's why they're called amendments, correct? Yes. There you go. And and we're not following them. Mm-hmm. So we're not following them, keeping our governments limited. So I'm trying to get people to think about that and say, hey, you know what? I don't think it's the government's job. We should have a little little we should have a little less government because I don't think it's their job to make sure mm-hmm. that I put a mask on my face or put magic potions in my body. When people refuse to listen to that message what do you think is the cause of their denial? Why do you think they immediately don't want to hear what you're saying? Why do they shut you down so quickly? Why won't they even hear out what you're saying? Long periods of conditioning will mm. close somebody's mind. Mm. And 
and even short periods of conditioning, the younger the mind. Mm-hmm. So you know the if you if you hear every day of your life or or you know on the news and everywhere else, if everything that you hear is uh, the government is awesome and they're here to protect you, you know, and you must sacrifice for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they tell you all the time that you must sacrifice for your neighbor, that you must sacrifice for your, you know, for your government, that you must give them. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Mm-hmm. And Caesar comes by every day. And he just wants a little more and just a little more. So I'm trying a, to get people that's to a think. Damn, that's a damn confusing verse, I will have to say. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, who gets... There's no... There's no... Uh, there's no direction there, is there? Yeah, they, a lot of a lot of uh, it's it's. There's been multiple times where politicians have brought up that verse, and it's. I feel like that's dangerous to try to start uh, playing with people's. Yeah, playing with people's mind. <laughs> it's called, I call it mind bending. Yes, no, it's definitely mind games when you use someone's religion against them, because uh, that that verse was actually used by the Nazis. That verse was literally used in the German churches by the Nazis. So it's just, it's funny when uh, when you hear people say that. Yeah, it's not funny to me. <laughs> well, well, it's, a, it's <laughs> tragic. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's sad. It's, yeah. But, yeah. but I've never, uh, I've never, never bought into that verse. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't, you can't, you can't forget that, uh, you know, who, who wrote those verses? I believe that was Paul. Mm-hmm. And what? And, and no, what? that was Jesus that said that. Yeah. No, that was in the Gospels. And so I don't know. Tread lightly, Larry. Who he wrote it? Who wrote it? I just got to know who wrote it. Because if a man wrote it, we know what men do. They make mistakes, right? <laughs> Listen, you got to cross the line sooner or later, son. Just cross it. No, no, no. I. <laughs> So if you, uh, let's see. You see, see, listen to what you're thinking right now. Or, or, or think about what you're thinking right now. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out a way to word something, mm-hmm. which is good. It's good. Well, I, I don't want to say something I don't mean. Right, right. And, and with me, and probably more so my generation. This actually, this leads us into my next question very well. Do you ever worry that you're... Not just interview style, but overall approach to your your ideas on life. Do you think that is what drives people away from the ideas that you try to spread? It it could it could no how, doubt about and, it. And how do you how do you try to combat that without not being authentic? I don't. I don't even bother combating it because if you want to run away from freedom, then you're probably a dumb dumb that's going to run right into the chains anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you, that, you can waste. honestly, yeah. That's my exact. That's my philosophy with my podcast, and that's something I say all the time: is if you are scared of listening to someone with ideas and scared to have a conversation. There's been people I wanted. To, there's been people I won't tell you who, but business owners that have told me, "Are you sure you want to be associated with Larry?" Legitimately, <laughs> are you sure you? And that is that's so sad to me that there's people out there that are that are scared to be able to talk to whoever they want about whatever they want. I think I, I think it, it'd be really sad if if I was like, mm, no, nah, I don't want to talk to Larry because 
He's a little bit more aggressive than I think someone should be. Should but be. no, but no, like I don't agree with everything you say, but I still was dying to have you on my podcast. I still, I still like have, I still respect you, and I respect the things you do. Right? You don't have to a hundred percent be in someone's camp, and that's why I wanted to do this interview in general, is because there might be a lot of people that agree with you a lot more than they think, but just because you talk a certain way that they might not identify with, they immediately just, oh, I can't, I can't listen to this, this guy, or they see you hop out of your truck with a cowboy hat on, the kind of people that, that see you walking up to them and, and get scared, I just, I, I think that should be eradicated. You should be able to talk to anyone about anything and be confident in your own ideas. Because if someone were to tell you something that you totally don't agree with, you don't get mean with them and you, you pry into them. You ask questions. They may think you're harassing them simply because you're, you're asking questions. But I think that's what a good interviewer does. Like I, I wrote questions with the intention of I wanted to ask you things that no one's ever asked you before like no one's ever wanted to ask you before because yeah. they just don't care about you I they love think it. they think you're just a steamroller and a bully but i don't think that's what you are at all i think you're just a abrasive you're just you're you got a rough texture but at the end of the day i think you're you're like sandpaper. You're polishing things out. I really do. I think you're a, I think you're an overall positive for society if people would if someone thinks you are overall negative to society, I implore you to dig deeper into what what is actually in your videos and what's actually in your content cuz I don't think that Well, I, I did tell I, I get what you're saying and I did tell the ECUA board the the other day, Tuesday evening, I believe it was. After I got done speaking three times, at the end, I said, I said, I get it, I get it. I'm like molasses syrup. A little bit goes a long ways. <laughs> I said, but I've never, I've never been to this ECUA board mm-hmm. meeting. I said, so, uh, you know, so there you go, you know. I think that uh, there's all kinds of personalities, all kinds of people in this world, but at the end of the day, you're just trying to uh, protect the people you love. That's, that's what I've always thought about why you go so far with every, why you go so hard on uh, on everything? You're really I see someone that's just scared of what the world is turning into, and you want to you want to be able to protect everyone you love even after you're gone. Yes, that's really that's it. Genuinely, I've spent a lot of time with this man sitting in a truck. I've really I've known you since I was 12 as a character, <laughs> but for the past eight months I've known him as a a boss and a person and I genuinely think everything you do is from a place of love even if some people are too ignorant to uh to see that well they might not and that be... was that was the whole point of doing this interview well thank you they they might not be too ignorant to to well, to go further they might just be uh they they might just be close they they get to a certain point to where they cannot accept anything else other than what's been taught to them, I see it in families. I see it in uh, I see it in certain uh, you know groups, mm-hmm. clubs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they just cannot. They could read just like the DNC party. Mm-hmm. They can read some of these books that anybody with with any amount of care for little children, even thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year olds, if they had any care, they would say these books shouldn't be in our school. Mm-hmm. 
but they're so entrenched with the group with the yes and the party and the agenda that they have to call anybody who says if you don't like this book which is which has got all kind of pornographic talk in it you can't deny that nobody can you know all boys don't wear blue just read it there's no way so you so if you can't at least come you know to say hey this book really shouldn't be for those 13, 14, 15-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. And I call them kids, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, uh, if they were raised a little different, they might be grown men at 15 or mm-hmm. 16. Mm-hmm. But we're not raising uh, boys to be men at 15 and 16. We have extended that to 18. Mm-hmm. Then the more government protection extended it to 19. Yeah, see, I remember 19. Because I was wow. 18, they moved it to 19. Why? Right before I turned 19, guess what? They moved it to 21. So, so you can see how the progression goes when a group, you know, they don't look at the at any other side other than, hey, if you want this book out of here, you're a fascist Nazi. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it doesn't have nothing to do with either party. It's just a book that yeah yeah that shouldn't. That shouldn't. It's it's sad that a pornographic book in a in a children's library is a political debate, isn't it? It's really weird. It's uh, yeah. I don't. That's I don't understand why you would want to defend that. <laughs> I, the, that's what I was talking about. Lockstep. Even if you were, even <laughs> if I was, I'm trying. To, if I was a gay man, that's not something I would want. That that makes gay people look bad. That makes gay people look perverted. That they would want that in there. Yeah, I think the, I think a real because I know I know some like real like gay people that you wouldn't know they're gay until they told you. Some people that are legitimately attracted to the other sex and they're not playing a role. They're not they're not just being gay. People that are like that they don't want the child drag shows. They don't want porn in children's libraries and. and I just like you're saying it's it's all about this uh this democrat versus republican it's it's about being a democrat and being a liberal more than it is about protecting children. Yeah, it's a it's a group think thing. Mm-hmm. It's like lockstep and uh and whenever that's the only thing that I see is uh <clears throat> I get out there and I try to talk to both sides. I really do. John knows it. Uh John Waldrop and a lot of people know it. I'm not for I'm not for all Republicans. Mm-hmm. I'm not for all, I'm not for very few Democrats because they seem the party is about fifty fifty on the Republican side, fifty way too much government, mm-hmm. waste, fraud, and abuse. Mm-hmm. And I think the Democrat Party is probably more like eighty percent waste, fraud, and abuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, and but yet, you know, one party claims to be more more freedom. The other party claims to be more freedom, and both parties have have Taken freedom have, away. Have, has uh, uh, yielded our liberty to safety. <laughs> All right. All right. Do you have else? any uh, just any closing thoughts? Any last thing you want to say? Direct people to where to find more of you if this is their first time hearing your voice. Yes. Uh, hey, I'm not always going to be right. I'm going to be wrong. I even change my own mind sometimes. That's Other people change my mind sometimes. Uh, however, don't I, I just can't change my mind when it comes to freedom. 
So you can't have freedom without freedom. So when you tell me that we could save, just just tell we could, Larry, if we just took away this one right, you know, this one right, if we just took it away, and I mean a right, if we just told people they couldn't do it, we just prohibit, you know, all driving on on Sundays. No driving on Sundays. We'd cut we, wrecks. Down. We could we could save we could save and it's probably true. We could probably save, you know, ten, twenty thousand lives. Yeah. Maybe at least five thousand lives on a Sunday. Wow. We could. That's a beautiful thing. If nobody drove on Sunday, nobody drove. Not a vehicle on the road. Yeah, we could we could save lives, no doubt. That's not that's that's not worth it to be because now you're telling me that I can't travel. Yeah. That I can't travel. And you and and I mean that's a kind of an extreme situation or, or an analogy, but it's not I think it I think it works pretty well, actually. It uh you gotta it sounds harsh, but you do have to weigh out the uh the overall consequences. And and sometimes some people like death and violence, like you said, is a part of natural life. It is. And you can't fix that. We're all born dying. We're born to die. I mean, we're going to die. So why not, to me, why not live as free as possible? Mm-hmm. Why give up rights for an illusion of safety? Because it's an illusion. Thank you, Larry. You're welcome. This was a wonderful interview. I'll definitely have him on again to ask more riveting questions. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Check out missionobvious.com, right? Missionobvious.com. Mission Obvious on YouTube, everywhere else. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Love you. Have a good one.